Okay, one of the crew is a Kickstarter drop-in. Welcome to another episode of the Never Iron Anything Comics Review podcast this week. Sat around the table with me is regular co-host, Mr. Alan Henderson. How are you, dude? Greetings. Good stuff. And we're joined today, we've gathered today to grill the creator of a new book, um, which has just launched on Kickstarter. The book is The United Going Underground, and the creator is the man, the legend, leg day, the legend of the leg day community, it's Johnny Cannon. Hello, mate. You're right. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm wearing shorts just now as well. You did ask everyone in the pub to fill your legs once. We were with you, and we weren't even drinking. Yep. So there you go. Um, well, I wouldn't say once. I mean, I've done that a lot of times, um, <laughs> but only with men, and only in a, and not not in a sexual way. No, that's purely in a uh, workout way, workout bros kind of way. Maybe not sexual for you. That's the uh, the the challenge. was for me. Do you know, I'd never actually thought about that before. <laughs> People get thrills out of all sorts of things these days, don't they? You know. Well, there was also the massage as well, Tony, and that, that was, I was not involved in that. No, you weren't involved in that. Oh, he, um, One of the people who also witnessed that will be coming on a future episode, actually, so I should be grilling him about that massage as well. Um, ah. <laughs> good. Um, Is his mother also joining? No, the, fu- no anyway, not him. Sorry. Not him. Oh, that's not happening. Um, <laughs> good. So, um, Johnny, you've got this book, the second in a series uh, of The United. Welcome to the shit show being the first one. Do you want to give just a little overview, no spoiler overview, of what the book is that you're launching at the moment? Yeah, sure. Thing. Well, it kind of isn't, isn't the second in a series because it is a standalone story as well. Yeah. Uh, so you could, you could read it without um, having a book. <laughs> so that's probably something... I could ask you both if you felt you could do that. But certainly when I yeah, was I writing so. it, it was, it was yeah. designed to be written that you don't have to have read the first book. There are characters who are in the first one um, and it picks up, continues some of their stories and some of them feature in it, you know, as kind of incidental cast members. But it really does feature in, in another couple of... One, one new character and one character that was really just a cameo in, in the first book. Um, so this, this one's really... Um, it's the story of um, a superhero who's murdered, and then I guess the ramifications of that with a couple of uh, police detectives who are trying to find out who killed um, that character and why they killed him. Um, at the same time, um, a former member of the United, which is this government um, superhero team, which is so it takes different shapes over the years. It's either a celebrity super team or a, it's been a, a team of assassins and spies in the, in the Second World War. Um, and currently it's, it's probably best described as a, I suppose, a um, state strike force. Um, a former member of that comes out of retirement and, and, and tries to solve that murder too. So the story of the book is is really um, about that. That's that central murder, and then it goes in various different directions from there. It's really as a character sort of, I suppose, descend um, down into, um, I descend into a little bit of craziness, I guess. And they also fair. descend, which we won't ruin. But there's a lot of descending at one point, isn't there? <laughs> There's a lot of descending, yeah. yes. It's a very literal um, uh, comic title <laughs> in many ways. 
people do go literally go underground so there is that yeah good stuff man go on i think you started me with with one of my first questions about this though as well because obviously you're talking about the fact that there is the murder right at the beginning of the book Mm -hmm. and obviously what's quite clear with the way that you've approached the united is you've used a you know a lot of reference material and mm-hmm. it, it, it's for those of us that um, have seen your lovely moustache. You know, <laughs> cl- clearly, the character that, that that's that's killed early on mm-hmm. is based on yourself. Mm-hmm. What was that conscious choice about saying? You know, or what what is the psychology behind you actually murdering yourself? Well, you're in, killing in yourself, the the Johnny. Um. So there's two main reasons for I that. Like we, I like the way we start with a hard one. Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> why, do, why, do you want to, why do you want to kill yourself? Really, really, what have you really got to live for? Um, <laughs> so there's two main reasons for that. The first is that, that so that character, the Red Fox, was in the first book. Um, and he wasn't really a major character in the first book, but he was in the first book. The only reason that character was based on me visually in the first book was because the character he's married to is based on my wife because I wanted to draw my wife into the comic. Um, and in this one, um, when it came to the start of the book, when I figured out the story and I was figuring out someone's got to die here, and it makes probably makes more, there's more um, emotional resonance for someone that has read the first one if it's someone they know already, excuse me. And I thought it'd be funny <laughs> if I killed myself at the start <laughs> of the book, but also. Um, there was a degree of catharsis in that and that probably goes back to something that you've mentioned Tony either on this podcast um, quite a lot and also in ACP and that's about um, emotion in comics and and how people express themselves through the comics that they make as well Um, and certainly that's one example of there are multiple things that happen in this comic that either happen to me in real life or it's a place where I've been and have a very specific emotional um, connection to okay. that is expressed in the comic. So I suppose it's it's <laughs> it's going to be if I can answer it two ways. I thought it'd be a laugh or it was doing something expressionistic. So. That's interesting, mate. So, I mean, I think what you're referring to is the fact that I, I, I occasionally say, yes. and we, me and Al have discussed that there's a little bit of the creator in their work, yes. but you've mm-hmm. taken that slightly beyond that and added something of an autobiographical input. It's not an auto- autobiography by any chance, isn't it? But there's an no. input in there somewhere, you know? Um, I really hope it's not autobiographical. There's a lot of nights out where I yeah, can't um... remember what happened. It was pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. yeah. <laughs> um... um, aye, but, but there is, there's a lot of imagery in there that um, certainly comes from um, my experiences. And, you know, you've talked recently in the Awesome Comics podcast about um, drugs and psychedelic, psychedelic imagery in comics. And there's, there, there is an awful lot of... Um, psychedelic imagery in, in this comic and part of that is a reflection of again past experiences um the way that i visualize things in my head um i suppose an increase in influence in um surrealism um and in, in art um and things like really getting into um winter mckay for example um because okay. there's a couple a couple of nods to winter mckay in there um Aye, so 
But there's there's, yeah, a, I mean, there's there's a psychedelic. I don't want to call it psychedelic because it's not in color, but it's almost no. like a it's almost like a, a mod influence, you know, like a mid sixties mm-hmm. thing going on in some bit to me. Yeah, yeah, and some of the design things. I think that's that's one thing that people don't always talk about is. Well, they talk about it sometimes in a negative way. For example, the the thing that I always pick up on when people talk about Alan Davis's um, artwork is people usually say he's fantastic, he's brilliant at drawing, but at the same time, the characters dress like they're still in the 1980s. Um, Similarly, when people talk about Steve Ditko's running Spider-Man, everyone dresses like it's the 1950s rather than 1960s, including Peter Parker. And even when he was drawing stuff in the 80s, people dressed like, you know, 20 years or 30 years earlier. Um, And that's something consciously that I try not to do. I do look at, um, it's not like at fashion trends, but just watch. (laughs) so fucking creepy. You just (laughs) notice people when they're walking about what folk are wearing. And if people, sometimes if someone's dressed in a particular way, you think, oh, that, that would be quite a cool character. Um, and I think probably most like, just cartoonists or, or comic artists do that, but artists in general, um, you know, and it's the same with when you've talked about using um, reference. Um, it, dep- it depends in what way you mean it. I do use photo reference um, for drawing yeah. some things and then not for others. But the thing that I subscribe to, which was the thing that folk like Mobius subscribe to, or folk even like Ryan Otley when they've talked about it, is that the way that you use references, you incorporate it into your style. Yeah. So essentially for the reader, it pretty much looks the same whether you've copied a photo or whether you've drawn it out your head. It's a time-saving tool. Um, I've got no problem so, with reference. I think I think if you're drawing without reference, there's probably something wrong. You know, it's either really out there or it's, you know, it's going to look wrong. But I, I think the main problem we've certainly discussed is people who trace I suppose that's all. Just import through Photoshop. They're the things that give me yeah. the irk. I don't mind reference at all. Yeah. Well, well I, I mean... thing with with reference, for, certainly for a lot, because I think we should be clear that you know the, this book is a a tour around the UK yeah. as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In terms of locational positioning, you 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 know from Glasgow to London and and everything in between. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I presume that's when you're saying you're using a lot of photo references for those those locations, because that's the sort of thing that if you get that wrong. Yeah, the Palace of Westminster, for example, you know, very specific, isn't it? You know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, aye, so that's a very specific thing, and that's something that I did in um, Welcome to the Shit Show as well, was really reaction against (laughs) um, comics, particularly of the 80s when I was growing up. You would have an X-Men comic set in Edinburgh, like, that doesn't look anything fucking like Edinburgh, or it looks like it's meant to be the Outer Hebrides, and you're like, that's what on earth? <laughs> Where is this meant to be? And you know, it, it, or, or you can even extrapolate it to episodes of Magnum PI in the nineteen eighties, or um, episodes of Friends um, it's the, as well. It's the opening sequence from Train Spotting when when they run down. You know, you're going. You can't turn that corner and turn up at that place. It's that sort of yeah, yeah. Hi. So there, there are places in in that where again, I think I think you can get to. Um, too over enamoured with photo reference, so it's got to look exactly right. And I'm absolutely not criticising because I do like um, quite a bit of their work. You can be like someone like Brian Hitch, who probably is is too immersed in that photorealism. It's it's taken to an extreme there. Um, or what you can do is you can use 
photo reference. It's not, it's, you know, I'm not even going to say photo reference. You can just reference in a way that, you know, if you're walking down the street, just like you might see that person, you think, oh, that's a great look. They'd make a great character. Or that's the way that um, characters in a comic can dress so they look contemporary. You walk by an alleyway or you walk by a building or just the way that you look up at something and think, that's a great angle. Um, I'm going to remember that. I'll take a photograph of that um, with my phone so that I can look at it later on and I'm capturing that particular angle. Similarly, um, you know, where I I draw, there's a big mirror um, next to me. So if I'm drawing hands in particular, um, or I'm, I don't, I don't really use it so much for faces, not anymore, but, but really for hands and arm positions, I'll act out in that mirror, um, so that there is a degree of um, realism or, or, or a groundedness that I can, um, you know, so, so that it looks right. Um, yeah. For some things in comics like foreshortening, you can't, you can't really. I mean, photos warp things as well. Um, so, you know, um, so that's why sometimes if you look at someone that draws traces from photographs, it looks stiff. And in some cases, I think that stiffness can be used for storytelling purposes. And at other times, it just completely gets in the way and can take people out the story as well. Particularly if some, I mean, if someone's just drawing... This is going to sound like I'm criticizing very much. If someone's just drawn Sam Jackson in the comic, it takes you. It, to me, it takes yeah. me out. Yeah. And For a while, we had it in almost every every month. We'd see it, wouldn't we? You know, Sam yeah, Jackson would appear yeah. in everything. I know what you mean, man. I mean, you're, what you're doing here is you're moving. I know you. I knew you were going to do this. You're moving away from your craft just talk, generally talking about comics. But let's go back a little bit into what you're mm-hmm. doing. So, for example, the it opens on a scene in London, doesn't it? Um, mm-hmm. Is so it opens London in a, there's a, a tube station called York Road Station. Now that mm-hmm. does York Road doesn't exist, does it? I'm right in saying it. It does. So what? So one of the things for this, and again, going back to the. So there's two things when you when you talk about reference. For me, yeah. reference is not just about an image. It's also about the research that goes into why you're using that particular. Okay. So is it is this one of place. those closed stations? So it's, it? so it's a disused station. Yeah. And and again, that ties back into immediately going underground it starts off in a disused underground station right um and you know that's where the murder takes place you know that you know so at some point you know in order to solve this crime if they do solve the crime um they would probably have to go to the place where the the crime was committed so they will have to (laughs) literally go underground at some point so aye it's there's there's a lot of that in there so a lot of there's a lot of real places yeah and real events in either in this book um some of the things in there which might seem very very strange are real things and that is um, and i think it's interesting when you can combine real things from british culture with fantastical elements like superheroes because on the one hand you think that's absolutely ridiculous that can't exist no that's the real thing yeah <laughs> and, and when you look at it that's more fantastical or that's weirder or that's more sinister than the stuff you're making up about flying guys and kilts and stuff. So, so what is it? What came first, the title or the idea to use, you know, these old disused underground tunnels and stations and stuff? Um, the actual title of the book. Um, well, in fact, I think you've asked me. A couple of people have asked me. Oh, is it based in the Jam song? And it wasn't. It, <laughs> yeah. it wasn't. It wasn't based in the Jam song because I don't actually particularly like that song. Um, 
although the first book, Welcome to the Shit Show, if you look at the sort of chapter titles or the episode titles in that, certainly the first 10 or so are, are based on song titles. And the idea was that, I think when they used to post on social media, the idea was that it'd make up a kind of, <laughs> what people my age would call a mixtape um, or almost a soundtrack yeah. for the comic as well. Um, this one doesn't do that. Um, there's very specific titles which relate to um, story elements, sometimes quite literally, um, or are um, literal, literary rather references. Okay. Um, so, which again tie in with a particular theme. So, um, I'm, try- I'm, try- I'm generally trying to remember. I think I drew. No, I came up with the name of the book very, very early on. Um, and it kind of, some of the stuff just merged together almost serendipitously um, because it's not just about, you know, it starts off an underground station, but I was getting more and more interested in underground comics okay. as well. Interesting. And, okay. and so as the story progresses, and you, you've both read it, um, it, I don't think it's a spoiler to say it, it probably moves away from mainstream comics more. I mean, it's, I would still say it's still tied to that and that kind of, you know, that world and that kind of reality that yeah. establishes my artistic style. But my artistic style changes through the book as well and does draw in some stuff from underground and, and probably particularly alternative comics too. Um, and that, again, ties back into the um, research for the story, but also, I suppose, the research for the, the craft element of it. Um, because for, for me, if you're, if you're doing a comic, you're not just focusing on the story. I suppose the same as you're doing a film or a TV series or a play, whatever it is, any creative, you'll focus on um, the, the narrative, you'll focus on the meaning. So, you know, this is what happens, but what does it mean? Um, but you'll also focus on the craft because some stuff you'll have to learn how to do in order to tell the story. Right. Um, or, or in order to literally depict or draw um, the meaning. Um, and you're going to have to embed the meaning in some of the pictures, which you can do with, you know, serially start, or you can do literally. A good example of that, because I realise I'm talking probably quite abstractly, is you can foreshadow an object, like a murder weapon, in a scene before it's used. Yeah. You know, um, Chekhov's gun. So you can you can show that literally. Um, so that's, that's putting meaning in art. Um, I probably started thinking about that when I did um, Howard Chaikin's Paradigm course, um, which ran over lockdown. I did I did two of the three and watched the third one and sorry the first one in YouTube, and he talked a lot about that and used showed his examples from his work. So I was really lucky for for this book that I'd had that learning experience, and also through being friends with a number of different um, comic creators. Um, we'll, we'll off and yourselves included will send each other, oh, you should read this book, you should read this, look at this picture, I know you'd really yeah. like this. So there's some examples like technique-wise in this, like you'll see sometimes I've used stippling, which is where mm. you put wee dots all over it, that comes from Frank Bellamy, or you probably noticed, particularly you, Al, because you, know, you, you draw your comics, or he's used a crow quill pen in that, and he's using very specific lines, well, that comes from Sergio Toppi, um, okay. or he's used razors to do that but that comes from Alberto Breccia so um, aye 
Interesting. To answer your question. Let's 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 move into the art area because because I was going to ask you a question. Yeah. Was you say that all your art style changes through the book? I'm not entirely sure it's the art style change because you can tell it's you all the way through. Yeah. It's not super noticeable. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's more because a lot of it's about your your different choices of page layouts and and your different choices of. or, or the way that you've done your grey tones, um, and I think, I mean, it, you clearly have a love of a curved panel border I don't until know suddenly you get. To, <laughs> but then you get to page seventy, and again, this is where you know a complete change because suddenly the pages move from portrait to landscape. Yep, and it's it has yeah. a very much that that Sunday funnies layout or Brune's layout if I'm going to be yep. quite parochial about it yep. and it, suddenly it's a lot cleaner panel grid you know, and, yep. you know much more sequential in terms of the panel grid rather than sort of the flowy nature that the, the curved panels create mm-hmm. but again it's still your art style inside the panel borders so how much of it is just about saying it's the layout of the page mm-hmm. rather than it is being what's inside the panels i think i think you're, you're i think your style is quite elastic um and it's just as you hopefully improve your craft like you get whether it's your draftsmanship or whether it's your um your composition or whether it's your pacing whether it's your storytelling whether it's your graphic design um you're able to stretch your style further and it's not as restrictive um and I think that I've been quite lucky to to be able to get access to like you know v- lots of different books and and um, read read a lot of interviews with with cartoonists and creators um, not 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 just from the drawing side but from the writing side of it too to see how they approach things and really to to change the way I think about comics. So one thing I have that I, so I think you're right. I think I probably stretched my style rather than changing it. Mm. Um, although there is, I mean, I do draw in what's what's most commonly called. What's well, not most commonly called? It's not really fast. It's Bigfoot cartooning. So what some people might see is what's like Calvin and Hobbes are peanuts. There is a, a newspaper strip in there, which I did draw. Um, there's other things in there, like, for example, there's a newspaper, which is not a real newspaper, it's called Unicorn, which is the national paper of the Republic of Scotland, which is, just for anyone listening that doesn't know much about Scotland, that's that's not, that's a made-up version of Scotland. <laughs> that doesn't exist, <laughs> um, despite the wishful thinking of some people. Not that I'm judging that. Um, and, and so I learned how to literally put together a newspaper. But in some cases... I decided to do that from a kind of using Illustrator and Photoshop to piece that newspaper together. And in other points in the comic, I specifically chose to draw it. Um, and you'll see that sometimes. It's just it's the whole comic, basically. There was, there, was, there was some rules that I put in place for this comic. One was that before I did it, from a craft point of view, I had changed the way that I wanted to make comics. And I, cha- I changed the way that I was going to make comics and it, because that's a changed the way that I thought about comics and that's because of um, the influence of um, probably because I've 
a difference between this comic and previous ones is I now have very defined influences. Um, yeah. So, so I have like people talk about a Mount Rushmore, and I don't really think in that way. I don't. It, it doesn't because for me it doesn't have to be four people. You know, it doesn't have to be a top ten. Should, should we guess? Just... <laughs> well, the names are in the book, so yeah. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah, on you go then. Okay, so Hollywood. AI. Uh, Steve Ditko. Well, yeah. <laughs> Al, do you want to do you want to give it a go? Well, there has to be a Staranko in there. No, strange enough. No, no, no. Hmm. I can, I can, I can see, I can see why. Um... Yeah, we, yeah, we, had, <laughs> we, we had a discussion about. Yeah, just before you came on, we were saying that that had to be one. Uh, John B. Seema. Yes and no, but there's the most obvious one of all, and I can't believe that it wasn't the first words out of your mouth. Um, is Alex Doth? Alex of course. Doth. Yeah, yeah. This, this, this. yeah. So in terms in terms of construction. You're absolutely spot on about John Buscema, and that's but that's maybe because um, when I was a kid growing up, and you 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 both hear this a lot, Alan Davis was probably my favourite um, yeah. comic artist. There's, in, there's um, one moment where a character, I won't spoil it, jumps out to fly off, and um, just the trail behind him was pure Davis to me. Aye, so that's that's a lot of his construction comes from folk like. Nesta Redondo, Neil Adams, Jim Aparo, John yeah. Buscema, and then you can trace back through that, like to like right back to Cuba like as well. The famous artist courses, Cuba, yeah. I mean, yeah. Alex Raymond's um, Milk, Milk Kniff, Hal Foss. Usually, most things in American and American influenced comics will go back to either Milton Kniff, Hal Foster, Alex Raymond. Uh, maybe to a less extent, guys like Roy Kane from a storytelling point of view, I think a lot of a bit of Roy Eisner, Kane. maybe. No, no sickles. Well, Eisner, yep. I think yeah. probably the this. So, my, my probably, I would I would probably argue the two most influential. I'm just purely American. In fact, when I say American, I think they had a huge influence in European comics too. I know this because I've read you know enough interviews now. You know, like Mobius was really influenced by Milton Kniff. Um, okay. and, and guys like Hal Foster had a massive. I can see that in his um his Western yeah. stuff, Mobius. Yeah. yeah, it's a lot. A lot of it's the, the chiaroscuro, which actually comes from Noel Sipples, who was right. the guy that Alex Toth really looked up to. So, um, so a lot of folk you think are influenced by um, Alex Toth. And I'll give you an example. There's a comic book creator, and it's an interview with Michael Cho. And he said, "Oh, you're a big big fan of Alex Toth." I said, oh, "I love his stuff, but no, he's not an influence. Like, but but you must be." And he said, "No, it's no sequels." Right. Okay. But that's who yeah. influenced Alex Toth, and it's like I can't remember who told the story, and he was saying about how when he first read Todd McFarlane's stuff, he's like, "God, this is amazing." He started drawing like uh, Todd McFarlane. He's like, "Todd McFarlane's the best." And then, and then he discovered Michael <laughs> Golden. He thought, "God, Michael Golden draws just like Todd McFarlane. He's really ripping him off," and not quite appreciate. No, Todd McFarlane got it from Michael Golden, um, and Michael Golden's a really incredibly influential um, creator, and a lot of a lot of the image guys. I think Krigstein um, so as well somewhere. I can see a little bit of Krigstein in your work, you know. Um, so, so does the, the four for me that that like really influenced the way I think about comics are um, in no particular order. Well, there actually is a particular order. Steve Ditko, Alex Toth, Wallace Wood, and Harvey Kurtzman. Harvey, yeah, yeah, and yeah. they were very much, very much pieces of a jigsaw I was putting together of who, I know this is going to sound really wanky, but who I am as a cartoonist, which which is the biggest difference between this book See, and man, everything I, else I've done before. 
I, I hear you say that, and I agree, and I can see that. And I think there's a direct line from the, all those creators there to someone that I think this book is heavily influenced by in the same way that the work we did together, your art and that was heavily influenced by, and that's David Mazzucchelli. I can Absolutely. see some Mazzucchelli in there as well, you know? Well, that's partly because of what you put in the script, well, <laughs> which, is, which is direct <laughs> references to David Mazzucchelli. <laughs> and it's like, mate, he wants... We didn't rip him off. We didn't rip him off. <laughs> no, no, but you were yeah. looking for a very particular thing. We and, needed and that through just... the bars of the, the cell, didn't yeah. we? Yeah. That is yeah. so... Well, it's actually not hard to do, but I only learned... I only found out how you actually do it after I'd done it. I had to figure it out. And so... You know, that, I mean, so so there's, there's those big influences who influenced my approach. So, so the example it, would be... It's the challenge there, though, is that every influence you've listed has been an yeah. artist. Mm. Or a cartoonist. So, yeah, 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 okay. But my, my point is that... Would, yeah. So who's who's the writing influence? So all, all, all four of them, Steve Ditko... Um, I mean, I love Steve Ditko's, but his writing mm. can be a little bit mad. I was going to say it's not. Well, yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. so, so Steve, Steve Ditko, Wallace Wood, um, and Harvey Kurtzman. Out, out the four of them, probably most people would argue Harvey Kurtzman was absolutely the strongest writer. Yeah. Mm. Um, but but Wallace Wood and Steve Ditko wrote a lot of their comics, but without, without getting into the whole argument, a lot of that credit was not attributed to them. That they actually wrote the comics. Yeah. And also, yeah, as you true. said yeah. before, Tony, quite a lot. A lot of the writing in comics is not the literal writing of dialogue, but the pacing, the storytelling. A lot of that naturally comes um, through the art, yeah, in, 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 the, in the drawing, but also comes in the kind of interaction between the drawing and the writing, depending whether it's full script or Marvel method or whatever. It comes from some kind of chemistry between the writing and the drawing, and it's very, very hard to attribute sometimes. Probably the weakest, commonly held weakest writer out the four would be Alex Toth. I think, I mean, I know there's a lot of stuff talked about Alex Toth and talked about his mental health, his personality and this and that. I think there's a practical reason for why Alex Toth perhaps is perceived not to have written as much. And that's because he worked in animation for such a long time. Yeah. So wasn't in a position to develop that side of it. And also didn't pursue um, independent comics like or self-publishing comics or underground comics yeah so i would still call it underground comics like ditko and wood yeah and kurtzman obviously didn't have to do that because it had the relationship with with uh, hugh hefner well let's um, let's take this back to you again do because i think the writing element of this book is really interesting now mm-hmm. i caveat this question this this question or this point <laughs> with the fact that i <laughs> i read this and was captivated by it. a lot a lot of comics that i read for example for podcasts and stuff like that is i sit there with an open notebook and i write notes as i'm going along for this i didn't i started and then i got swept up in it now the structure and the writing and the story feels mm-hmm. a bit to me i'm not going to say i'm not compare it but has an element of the who done it in you know a la watchmen for mm-hmm. example you know it's got that hasn't it it's it's, it's a who done it in a way um mm-hmm. or a mystery in a way but the I know because I know you and because I spend my life ribbing you over this is the fact that this started as a much shorter book. Um, mm-hmm. But it seems tight. The, the scripting seems tighter than that, man. So what happened there? Uh, you've not seen the 600 pages. <laughs> <laughs> but no word of a lie. At one point you told me I'm going to do a 30 page comic. I think that's right. Isn't it? And then it grew to how many pages? I remember him saying that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's 144. But that's, yeah. that's because... Um, 
Oh man, this is this is why I don't like talking about myself in these. <laughs> so you know when we were talking about Jim Woodring and he was talking about the unifactor and how I suppose it all goes back to that thing where, where folks say about it reaches a point that the story writes itself and the character writes themselves. We hear that, don't we? So yeah. there, there, so there are particular there was always particular beats in this comic. Every single one of those beats is in there, and there is right. there is a there is a there is a structure. But it goes back to the rules that I'd set myself for this comic, which I don't think I actually ever said, but they were. One is that one rule I wanted to have was that, and this goes back to Al's point about it goes from comic book format to comic strip format, and that is simply that when you turn that page, you do not know what's going to happen, and that ties into the that kind of um, that kind of I don't want to call it. It's not a gimmick. That tool. Yeah. It's to serve the narrative, and that is to unsettle the reader. A lot of the stuff that's in there is to unsettle the reader, and it's to try and elicit a particular mood in the story and a particular pacing. Um, and it's that it's not in there from the um, the point of view of like like a kind of shock twist or this. Or that. It's it's not everything in that builds to me anyway. It's, it's the person that's created those characters, that created that world. That's what had to happen. Okay. So there's there's particular. So when I was writing this, I always knew where the story was going to end. Um, but what happened at the what happened in that place did change because. Do you think you packed um, the plotting in too tightly that you needed no, to let it breathe a bit? No, or no. So so what yeah. I started off by doing this. So the way that I write fundamentally is is. Um, it's kind of the same where I'll walk about for a wee while, I'll figure it, I'll have an idea and then that idea will snowball of lots of different ideas and then so I've got A, B, C, D, E, F, G, all that stuff and then when I'm, um, I'll walk about, I'll have it in my head for a little while before I start a project or start a comic um, and I'll form the idea of the story and that's the easy bit. Then I'll figure out how to get from A to B to C and it's easy for me because I don't need to write a script for an artist. I'm drawing it. So what I started doing was, after doing the paradigm course with Jaken, was he would write down on a, oh gosh, I can't show you, um, on an A6 card, he would write down what happens in a page, very simply. And so that's what I did. Um, and because I still structure um, the United Comics in seven-page installments, um, okay. It's very easy for me to keep a structure of and keep a mind, keep in my mind things like Denny and Neil's approach to writing, which is quite similar to Larry David's approach to writing in uh, Seinfeld. You know, you you have a light, you have a role for Seinfeld, you have a role, for, you have a role for Jerry, sorry, you have a role for Kramer, you have a role for Elaine, you have a role for George. Do they all have an arc within that episode? And then when do they come together? Right. Which is which is similar to what. Uh, no, so I tell like Daniel mentions Paul Levitz's approach of the A plot, the B plot, the C plot, and eventually the B plot becomes the A plot. Yeah, I think Claremont did the same, uh, didn't he? As yeah. I understand yeah. it, yeah. I think, I think, yeah. Well, he lost track of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Completely. He just did too many plots. I lost track of it. So, yeah, yeah. Oh, no. Well I, well, I mean, there's famously stuff that's just never been resolved at yeah. all, and he's come back and he's clearly forgotten what he was going to do, so he makes up something that makes no sense. But in this, it's it's. This book, aye, so I was quite interested reading back through it. There is no flab in there at all. And no, I didn't see it. I feel like there no, was. It, yeah. 
again, I think because a lot of the pages, and I guess partially back to your use of, of um, circular panel borders or curved panel borders, there's a flow to the pages that builds yeah. a pace and creates a, you know, a, a, well, while some of it throws you around the page, it's more in, in a water effect. I really do feel that. Um, and I think that it is an interesting challenge around the fact that there's clearly a knitting pattern somewhere at the back of this, whether you've written it down yourself or, or whatever. Um, actually, sorry, being being the underground, it's, there's the, the tube map somewhere underneath this okay. of all, yeah. all of the lines, isn't there, that, that, that are um, coming together to see this is where this character has gone and this is where they cross over and this is where they come together and move apart again. I think... Uh, and I, Tony, you were talking about this before we joined you on this. Was the you know creating a large cast like oh, this? This is like a Legion superhero size. This is yeah, yeah. yeah. How, 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 uh, so do you do you actually have? You know, you're talking about having individual pages there, but do you have all oh, right? This is the beginning, the middle, and end for each character written down. Not for not for every character. Um, so for the. This one was different because in this one actually had uh, did model sheets for it, right? Um, and that was that partly came out of um, the, from really getting. I can't remember when did we do that episode, Tony, with about Alex Toth with Russell Olson. God, a couple of years ago, about three. It was the start of lockdown. Yeah. Right. So I think so. I'd I think I'd started this, but then and I'd started really getting into this stuff, and I hadn't really studied them before. But after that podcast, really get into studying him, and I was like. Fucking hell! This is just ridiculous design. You know, he's thinking about things, the silhouettes, and just really. We're getting on silhouettes felt, later, my friend. I'll tell you that now. Yeah, <laughs> but just really. <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. But really, felt I got better and really improved, and that really, that's really when you know those four people clicked in. Like Ditko had always been there, always been there from a storytelling point of view. Kurtzman, like I said, came last because Jake had recommended reading a particular story called Rubble. Um, which I recommend to anyone who wants to make comics or understand comics, read Rubble. It's just, it's, it's just phenomenal, and um, and even the way that I, even my drawing, the way that I construct certain scenes, get back to the style thing. You might see something of consistent style, which, which, which is a big compliment because the way that I constructed those scenes is completely different. And some I cartooned it, so I drew it in a cartoony style. Um, and in other ones, I rendered it, so I drew it quite um, naturalistically. Or say if I was looking at something from reference, like if I'm drawing myself, it's you know you're 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 copying, you're not copying, you're interpreting a photo, you're not copying it at all, because you're selecting the lines you're putting down, and that's quite funny. That's one of the things when Jeff Darrow talks about reference or uh, Mobius talks about reference, it's it's a different approach because you're a different challenge because you're selecting the lines you take from the photograph. And that's just what you do drawing from. There's no difference between drawing from a photograph as it is from drawing from life. Um, so if you're losing a model or you're drawing a landscape, you're selecting the lines to put in um, so that the image isn't a mess um, and you're getting your composition you want. So you're moving things around. Um, so in this one with the large cast of characters, I did uh, model sheets. Some of the main characters all had arcs. Okay. Um, and well, there's a few, of the, a few of the, let's call them the new team, 
There's a few of them yes. that you know you can see that they didn't have. Well, they had a minor arc. Some of them didn't they? You know. Yeah. So, so, so some of them are in previous uh, the previous book as well. Yeah. Uh, Max Man was in the previous book, but he's grown a beard in this. Right. Um, so and um, God, who else was another one? There was uh, Magpie. Um, some of them aren't even named in this, and that's that was something in purpose because I'd thought about that. You know, the whole thing. You know. Um, when you pick up a comic, it's always someone's first issue. That was counterbalanced against watching The Wire, like years ago, and watching The Wire. And at first, I was like, "Who the fuck is everyone?" Like they're not even mentioned by name. And then thinking, "When you, how many times in a conversation do you specifically mention the person's first yeah. and last name?" And just like, <laughs> "Why?" And also this thing about in the MCU and DC films are obsessed with here's the origin, here's the origin, here's yeah. But it's, it's, it takes me back again. to picking up those Superboy and the Legion of Superhero comics and not knowing who the fuck about 80% of the people are in a panel. But it, th- yeah. that was part of the joy for me, you know, finding out who that's, they were. You know, That's that's exactly it. And it's also, um, I watched an interview with Quentin Tarantino and they, were, they, they said the usual thing about, oh, so what's in the briefcase? And he said, look, the thing he loves is every person that watches Pulp Fiction has a different idea of what's in that briefcase. So every single person is watching their own version of the film. And I like the idea of someone picking up a comic that, I, that, I, that I'm responsible for doing everything on, um, making, you know, that I'm in control of. And for each one of those characters, like, oh, who's this person? They've got a cool costume. Um, I, wonder, I wonder what their powers are. I wonder, I wonder what their name is. I wonder what they do. I wonder what their history is. And they make up that story themselves. I like that idea. Yeah. I like, the idea, I, of the, I like the idea of the reader being a participant in the creation of the comic in a way as well, in a very minor role. Yeah. But I like, I like that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> oh, oh, there is, well, there is that. I suppose going back to the point about the mystery, and I'd rather ask <laughs> off uh, when okay. we're not recording about about that mystery because this this book is also specific. I specifically, I keep on that book. This comic, um, I specifically designed it in a way that you could read it more than once because the comics I enjoy most are the ones that I've read lots and lots of times and still get something from so, it. So how did how did you do that? Um, it's quite easy because you just change the way that you think about things. No, but I mean, how did you create it in such a way that makes it readable more than once? You know, is it by the depth of characters and the different things going on, and you know, it's or... different things going on. So things in the background that happen, also yeah. certain things that are said, um, wee clues that are dropped in because the element of the the Hugh done it. Uh, sort of Hugh done it. The who done it. Hugh, Hugh Edwards done it. It's a great name for a character. <laughs> um, so um, that's 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 the kind of. I suppose the technical side of doing it, but it is changing the way you think about things. And if again, the the, the rules that I had for this, people won't know it's what happens after that page turn. Generally, unsettles, unsettles the reader and makes it a more emotional experience, either good or bad. Um, yeah, because I don't particularly care so that, whether people like it or that, not. That leads me to to one of the other points I've had though, which and the fact that you've done it as the seven page arcs. Yeah, within it. In that clearly, that that references back to your your history of reading UK yep. weeklies or monthly comics, where you know they yep. are mini anthologies in themselves. And yep. you know, but you've chosen not to release this in that format hmm. of saying, yep. "Well, I'm part of some anthology or other," where I can say, "Yeah, here's the, here's this month's seven pages or this, you know, mm-hmm. whatever frequency." Do yeah, you think I mean, you would have would have written it in this way 
were think or, or or did you when you were writing it have to go right i'm going to write did you write from page 1 to page 140 or did you start in the middle and go backwards <laughs> and forwards um all right no no so when <laughs> but the first one was a series of comics for those that don't know yeah. welcome to shit yeah. shit show was a was a plus extra material was actually a number of pages of that came from what we what the youth call floppies and then were collected with extra material but this is yeah. sing a single thing isn't it you know it's a single thing. Yes, yeah, so I suppose this is what um, certain comic readers would call an original graphic novel. <laughs> I'm not particularly comfortable. comfortable like a little term. bit of sick came up in my mouth then. Yeah, no, it's, it's but, but the, the only reason I struggle about like, I'll slip into calling it a book rather than a comic is because it's hardback. Yeah. That's the only, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a format thing. This is a comic. And, um, you know, I have, I, I really, 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 it's important to me that, uh, so if, if anyone asks me what I do, like to people, like people I work with and stuff like that, you know, what do you do in your spare time? I write and draw comics for spare time. I'm a cartoonist, and that's important to me. And that is the single biggest difference in this comic than anything else I've done before. Because in other things, when you've asked me before, Tony, why did you do Welcome to the Shit Show? It was to learn how to draw comics because right. I love drawing, I love comics, and I wanted to learn how to do it. This book is different because <laughs> it's not delusional. The difference is in that time I've been paid to draw other people's comics. I've been paid to, to, to draw commissions for people. And also the way that I define myself now is as a cartoonist. Because that's and again, I'm not saying I'm great at it. I'm not you know what that's who I am. And that's what's on that. That's what this comic is. I think so, man. I'd agree. Definitely. Me as a cartoonist. And that's why there's a degree of um my own personal um not so much beliefs but certainly experiences in that book and it is an expression of me as a cartoonist not just in terms of the craft which was there and other comics where i was learning how to do things this case you know i'm still learning how to you should always be learning um but it was very much a i knew what i was doing and so there's less accidental stuff in there it's very purposeful from a writing point of view and from a drawing point of view, in saying that, <laughs> I don't write scripts. I don't write it all out. I keep it in my head, and I write down notes. So I, I did use even dialogue, or do you rework dialogue, or workshop it? Or... Um, I, what, what I'll do is I've, um, I'll have random bits of paper over my desk, and I'll write down dialogue as it comes to me. So I'll write that down, and occasionally, like you know, I think I sent you something, Tony. Um, when I was working this, I was like, fuck me, I found the original pitch for the, the United. I don't even remember writing that. And they're not called <laughs> the United, they're called the Premier. Why are they named after a shopping chain? <laughs> no hotel. Hotel chain, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and because, so that's that's the thing, is you have the idea and you have that kind of, you have a structure that you, you pour your idea, go back to your water theme album, you pour your ideas into it and stuff. But at some point, those characters will struggle and try to escape from that story. Particularly if you write a story about heroes, there is a common theme in every single story, every single superhero, every single hero in any classic story that is a similar arc. You know that old saying, show me a hero and I'll show you a tragedy. There is that inevitability to any story about a hero, particularly superheroes, which are which are about violence, really. Yeah. Um, and costumes and violence, that's a superhero. Well, that, um, that that gets me to ask about writing people 
And I yes. I genuinely think that the two detectives you write in this are some of the realest people I've read, even though one of them has got a head like a skull. Um, yeah. My favourite... My, I think easily my favourite people in this comic are those two. You know, you, you there's an organic naturalistic sort of thing going on. They're a they're a partnership. They obviously care for each other, but you you didn't go the obvious route for romance. You know, with the underdog, with the skull faced man, etc. But you've you've yeah. got a great working relationship, personal relationship, and you add you manage to combine them by doing stuff like. Do you want me to get you a? Was it? Do you want me to get you a pastry on the way to the murder scene? You know, stuff like that. I really loved it, mate. Loved them. It really good. To me, yeah. one of the great questions I've got, which is, can you pinch the bridge of your nose if you don't have a nose? <laughs> Yeah, because he does. Yeah. He does do that at one point, and I was like, "Can can you?" That's blue. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, <laughs> muscle muscle memory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So 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 that's. Aye, so the scene you're talking about, that's absolutely what's happening. He's forgotten he doesn't have a nose. Um, and, and there is, he actually does it. So he actually, well, that's just it. And again, that he specifically asked that. There's a scene in there, it's like, is it not difficult to drink tea with no lips? And he's like, yeah. No, oh, he's really got a special lid, is not he? Special, special yeah. lid. And you actually do see the lid um, in the story as well. It looks like a baby cup. Ah, yeah. Um, yeah. And, but, but again, it's those, <laughs> again, without, without spoiling his story, those are tiny little things. But again, if you go back and read through it, you're like, oh, hang on a second, right? Okay, okay. This, so that's what's adding to the second read. This all adds up to it. Um, but, but then again, as well with the, the core story, so the other thing, the other rule I had was, um, I've lost track of the number of rules. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the other rule I had was, I want to make a comic that is about something, but the reader thinks it's about something else. And gradually... They start to realise what it's really about, whether that's the first read, the second read, the third read, the fourth read, and that is very specifically um, taken from the experience of watching Twin Peaks to the Turn, watching that and that feeling of just absolute horror and just um, absolute amazement and, and, and elation at just the balls and david lynch and everyone else involved in that and, and that's something Mark man yeah. i don't know if i've ever told and you just, i watched about five or six episodes in one go um, i watched i did the same thing and it just i, I was not dummy, right afterwards dummy. yeah, yeah. it yeah. really did but that i remember watching that he's have you seen it yeah. Oh. yeah yeah i was gonna say this is the water this is the well oh my god that it's, abstract um, episode like uh, fucking hell episode eight yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so but, but and, and as well like the end, the end of it as well. You're just oh like, man, that, that, my favourite ending go, of a TV I, series ever. I will yeah. go to my deathbed, not understanding that fully, but having some kind of emotional reaction to it. It's very specific. Yeah. Um, like that. Like I, 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 it's strange. You don't have to necessarily understand what's happened. Like you understand emotion, but you don't understand literally what's happened. It doesn't matter. But that, that's just, in in the same way that Lynch drags you along. You know, he carries you yeah. along with the story. You've done that, man. I would say, I think. I think this this mm. flows so well, dude. I want also oh, the listeners not to think that this is just grim and gritty murder inquiry, you know, or no. grim and gritty superhero inquiry. Because what it does is it um, you you you, were, you clearly had a troubled childhood in front of the television, my friend. Because there's a there's a subverted <laughs> children's TV character is a fucking bastard in this. Um, 
Yeah. I do want to it's know if the other particular... members of that television program are going to turn up at some point. Yeah, where's Rod Jane and Freddie? That's what we need yeah. to know. And Zippy, what you say now, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Zippy, Zippy's in the first one. Yes, he is. Yes, yes. He's, yeah. 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 Um, the other thing I was going to um, challenge Tony about, you know, his favourite character. It's not, not the, obviously, the best looking character appears, uh, I think, first oh, yes. page 15. The one, the one that's in my yeah. bank appears much later on. <laughs> the... <laughs> But no, the best best looking character appears on page fifty eight. That's all I'm saying. We'll leave it at that. And, uh... <laughs> so he's, he's he's a good example when you're talking about arcs. Was that that was meant to be one scene, um, right. and then I tried, and it's not. Well, I enjoyed drawing the characters, and was actually surprised how easily the likeness came as well because that was. Um, was that from you staring things. across at us, the um, at Nottingham? Was that where you got what it from? I was, that's yeah. what I was doing at Nottingham. So what I was doing under the desk was was drawing. Oh, yeah, apparently. <laughs> yeah. No, it was. Um, no, I, I was looked, at I looked, one of the Glasgow cons. Yeah, I looked at a few photographs um, of different angles just to figure out because obviously you need to do what does it look like three quarter, what's it look like side, and there's like oh fuck, I can't find what I'm looking for. Just figure it out. Usually it's the shape of the nose um, more than anything else, like because from the front you can't see the curve. Uh, that's the two things. Like it's it's like doing figuring out a caricature. You know, if someone's in front of you. What are the marks on a person's face that you can exaggerate to make them identifiable <laughs> if it's facial hair is this but in this one actually the challenge is 99 percent of the people in this have some form of facial hair and that is a specific cultural comment in hipsters okay so that's because you were wearing a waistcoat when i met you last time <laughs> um aye, aye. so <laughs> but that's that's partly as well just that kind of just finding it funny that like 90% of people, are, I keep on saying 90%, 90%, but a lot of people I meet are like, oh, you're such hips, you've got moustache, you're basically, it's like, I've looked like this since I was 12, and that was <laughs> 1986. Well, um, apart from, you know, there is, there's satire in this, like you say, I find a lot, especially the villains right at the start, they're a, they're a sort of satirical swipe of hipsters, aren't they? Do you know what I mean? But the, yeah. there's, there is politics in it, mate. You know, there is, we've got the obvious, um, the 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 actions that will eventually separate you two and me um you know with the uh the separation of uh, england and scotland you've got a bit <laughs> of that you've got you've, you've even got the levelers in there as well haven't you you know there's yeah there's that sort of i hate I, I don't really want to call it working class politics but there is an element of that maybe i don't know yeah what do you de- think def- definitely that was that was in the first one as well in the first one so one of the one of the characters in this is called um harris hamilton there's a. He, can I just interrupt and say there's a Jasper's yeah. World kind of V for Vendetta vibe to this as well for me. So, so I was, that's what I was going to say. His yeah. he in the first book was based in Jim Jasper's. So that's why he looks like that. Right. Okay. Um, he was absolutely. And he was again in the first book. He was he was a throwaway character. He was in one panel. I remember. And the reason why I ended up looking like more like Jasper's was because I messed up the inking, um, and gave him a I gave him a moustache to cover up. That had messed up the shadow under his nose, right, and okay. that's why it ended up looking more like like Jim Jasper's from the Captain Britain story. And it's also because I really love Captain Britain. So that that type of, and at that point he was um, he was only a kind of um, that kind of idea. Jim Jas, he was never going to like become like Jim Jasper's, like you know, like super powered and warp reality and all that stuff. He was just a kind of politician who was a deranged. And that was going to be a commentary. And then his character completely changed over the course of Welcome to the Shit Show. But it turned out he had been um, a mem- a founding member of the United. And that's when I started doing the original story from Welcome to the Shit Show, those 79 pages. Right. It starts off with um, Maxwell Knight, Harris Hamilton, 
Um, oh God, I can't remember her name. That's terrible. And Alistair Crowley um, in Mount Melville, which is a real place in Fife. Um, they're in that building walking about and <laughs> getting a spoiler. Something happens. There's a bit of a betrayal. And then um, Harris Hamilton and the lady go off and engage in a sex magic ritual um, in what's now a country park right. <laughs> in, in a sun temple because there's a little bit of that in United as well, that kind of druidic magic stuff going on. Um, so his character really, really changed and, and brought on a life of his own. And the natural thing to do from that first story, the starting point was this, was I thought about continuing it right after. I thought, no, no, I want them older. So it's set 13 years later. Some of the cats in the first one have kids, and the kids appear, some briefly and some more substantially in this. Um, and his character... Um, you know, is one of the main characters in this book. Um, that wasn't something that I'd intended. That's just something that happened. Okay, interesting. Um, and his, his, his evolution in this was not something that was planned at all. That just happened. And, and also, but that because that's something... I don't know if I've actually read back through. Um, I've looked back through it, but I don't think I've actually read back through except when I was proofreading it, because I don't really do that with stuff I've done. Because um, you do it, you make the final, the final, the final product. Final product for me, sorry, is a printed page. It's a printed product. It's the comic. And once I've done that, that's it. That's 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 me done it. That's that's yeah. it. Uh, it's I, a I weird one, do isn't it? Else. Do you ever do you ever reread your stuff out? Um, about three years later, and that's partially <laughs> because of how I post it online. I've got okay. uh, yeah, when, yeah. I, when I get... well, why 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 do you do that Al? Is that to see if you've done it before, or do you keep a note of that, or is that just it, to see no? It's if more just that if or... I'm posting repeats online. Right. <laughs> I go, does this still stand up? Uh, okay. Yeah. You know, there's some I'll go. Oh, I'll not repost that. Yeah, which is only five percent of them. I'll, I'll say nah. I'll I'll not bother. Um, or I mean, it may partially be because there's a reference in it that's no longer valid, or yeah. You know, right. it, it's not the right time of year or whatever. So, but I don't, I don't sit down and read from beginning to end of of everything. And um, so, so you don't do the enjoyment. No, 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 I don't. No, I don't. No, I think yeah. there's something strange. I don't know. I kind of feel like there's something of an ego of someone who does that. I don't know why I think that. It's the most ridiculous also, thing in the world. I don't sort of pat myself on the back by rereading something. You know. Well, I also have a feeling with some of the stuff yeah. that I do where I look back at it and I go, I, I don't know if I could do that today. <laughs> you know, I, I certainly when I look at right. some of the paintings I've done in the past, I'm like going, I have forgotten the technique. And, the, you know, and it's and it's that, that fear of jumping back on. Yeah, it's slightly different um, for me because I'm looking at art, which isn't something I've done, you know. Mm. But, yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it, that? Well, it's just something you've not done directly. I mean, certainly, um, I mean, when we did... Um, Chrissy was a story that, yeah. just for anyone listening that's not read it, that, that Tori wrote and I drew in Hidden Lives. Um, and up until, <laughs> don't take any offence at this, up, up until now, I feel that that's the absolute best comic that I've done with someone was that story. And, you know, some people, you know... It's, and, it's and, certainly and, one that people mention a lot, yeah. man, when they read through yeah, it. Yeah, no, no, yeah. I, I, absolutely. And I'm, I'm very, very... But I think that's that, down to that your was, art, which I now own, no, which is very kind no. of you. Yeah. Um, no, no, I don't, I, I, I don't think so at all. I think it's a all false. 
it's not false humility most of the time. I'm not involved in it. I'll give you both praise. There you Thank go. You. Thank you. Before you start praising off each other. <laughs> yeah. so that's, that's, that's down to particular chemistry. And you're quite yeah. unusual because you, um, I can't say forever because I've not read absolutely everything you've, you've ever written, but for um, most things I've seen of yours, you are unusual in that you do have a chemistry with your artist. I think it's strongest with, with Adam Falp. Yeah, I think that's important. Because because because, yeah, because you're so obviously having so much fun doing it with it's hours. <laughs> I don't know how you could describe what they were having. No, we uh, definitely was. I think that's the benefit yeah. of small press though, guys. I think yeah. and and you've written for other people, Al, as well. We've written for the same person in fact, haven't yeah. we? Which is an interesting point of view. But I think we we because we mostly just do it for fun, um, we kind of we can kind of choose or we get chosen you know it's a nice thing yeah. you know you don't have to work with someone but if you're working on i don't know the avengers and you get told oh you got to work with such and such and the dude, dude's the right tool you know but you just get on with it wouldn't you i suppose if you're a marvel or dc or something you know a yeah, paycheck, yeah. it's a paycheck we all work yeah. with people that we don't necessarily um christ none of them around with. yeah 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 um yeah so Tony, do you do, do you want to get to the one reference that that we've not made, which is the the Frank Miller nipples? Ah, uh, now now we need to talk about this, yeah, because <laughs> I definitely had a number of wanks over these pages. Um, <laughs> I didn't. That, there's dear listener. certainly a, a, that's a Sin City shadow of ever I or a yeah. silhouette of ever I saw one, and um, very accurate as well. Although I'm going <laughs> to say fake breasts. I, I really. <laughs> <laughs> they are not, no. They're not. Oh, okay. They're not, no. no. Okay. That's let's let's not get let's not get to the same <laughs> um, Does, does and this all... involve the mirror that's next to you as well? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> uh, no, and, and sim- similarly with the uh, um, the man. Yeah, there's <laughs> that's, that's yeah, that's some of this is some of some of this that is reference for some of this. Let's just leave it at that. Um, I'm proud. I'm more proud of you now. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> I. Um, so, what we now know is it's really, really with, funny. With the Kickstarter, are you doing a you know a stretch goal that produces a making of book? Oh, I'm doing that... a stre- I thought you were going to say, are you doing a are you doing a, a stretch goal with those silhouettes or drawn in? <laughs> <laughs> three three sculptures. It? It's the, yeah, you know. Yeah. Here is the photo reference that I used throughout the book. It's what you can get on say it's all yeah, these no, that, 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 locations that, and Yeah. So 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 there is a there is a well actually there's not there's it depends how you interpret sex. There's not just one sex scene in there's not just one sexual scene in this. Um but Oh no, we're going there into is a, the red a, room terror, are we? <laughs> no, there, so there is there is a sex scene in it is between a married couple. Yeah. And it is and I and I feel I wanted to when I was doing that, that was partly because of again the going underground thing about sex and stuff, and so there's probably quite a bit of sex in this. And it's not gratuitous, it's, though, man. It's not. But, it, but it's know, not. It's not yeah, gratuitous. Yeah, it is, and it is. It is I, I joke, but it's, well you can't yeah. see what's going on. You can just see a silhouette, which is very well done. In the same way, you know, it's, there's that like you're right out. There's that Sin City thing going on, isn't there? You know. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. he does it in a different. He does do it for oh. gratuitousness. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, absolutely. I mean, that's the point. Um, so, or one of the points. Oh, no, um, you, you, that has to be done for things that happen later. That, all I'm going to say. That so that sex scene is, is in there as, yeah, it's in there. It's in there as a juxtaposition, and it's also in there in the, arc of, in the arc yeah. of a character, so that you um, form an emotional connection to those characters. You see how much those characters mean to each other because it's not just a case of, you know, the, 
going at it like <laughs> like a pair of dogs down the park. You know, they're, <laughs> they're telling each other they love each other, how much they mean to each other, you know. And, and it should only happen um, between people who love each other. Isn't that right? The... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> can I, well, can not I... necessarily, no, but that's that's what those characters are. I get you. Well, that's can... part of those characters' um, lives. Yeah. Can we... The other thing, there's a couple of other things that's sort of fairly specific to pages, but I just want to ask you about mm-hmm. is um, page 90. Um, the the Delu- the Deluca effect is very were is very oft I think after Bruno Redondo put it into Nightwing isn't it I think and there's that Wonder Woman issue and stuff and I know yes. Miller Miller put it into a Daredevil book didn't they but the the Deluca effect is is almost I think in another year or so is going to become the new nine panel grid we're going to see too much but you use it in a way that I found really interesting you used it in a very minimalistic and subtle way in the way that uh, a man walks across a page considering something. Yes, and right at the bottom I, of page 90, you use that Deluca effect mm-hmm. without panel borders, if you see what I mean. Yes. Yeah. Uh, aye, so, so there's, there's, there's two different approaches for doing something like that. And also one thing that annoys me about the Deluca effect was that Deluca didn't come up with it. Yeah. The first instance I've seen of it was Frank King that used it in oh God, it Gasoline Alley, I think. Okay, um, yeah. And I'm, I'd be amazed if Winter Mackay hadn't done it in Little Nemo and Summerland as well. Definitely. It's, definitely. Been, around, it's been around for a long time. The Frank King's on a very, very famous one. And it is in a, I'm pretty sure it's in a nine panel grid. Right. Um, the way he does it as well. And it's much better than the way that Deluca did it as well, which I think was in Hamlet. So you can do it different ways. You can do it where, um, as a, oh, Christ, I'm apolyptic. Where you show someone moving through pa- no, <laughs> <laughs> you show someone moving through panels. So you either get a diptych or a polyptych. So it's either two panels. You show one person moving from one panel into the next. So so two pat. So you have one scene spread across two panels with panel borders, and they move from one panel within the scene to another panel within the scene. That's one way of doing it, and the panel border represents passage of time, whereas. What you can do is you can use what's called the Deluca effect to show it without panel borders, and that changes the way you perceive time. So in this case, you're seeing someone having a, rather than time passing, you're seeing someone having an internal monologue with themselves. He's also having a dialogue with the person in the room, but he is having an internal monologue because he's disturbed by something. So no, That's very well that. done, mate. That, I really like that. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I noticed a couple of times as well is you finish a page, and I know you're very specific about the page turn in this. You finish the page with the female speaking. I don't know if this is conscious. A couple of examples I'll give you. Um, page 49, um, page 56, um, and then I think page 63 as well. So you give the beats are finished on the page by the female in the conversation, which I find an interesting way of approaching it. And I'm not saying it makes them dominant or whatever to the as the character in the scene, but it it allows for the break in the page. Does that make sense? I don't know if I'm going the right way with that. Um, is that a conscious thing or? Yeah, um, definitely one of the things in this. Without getting into what actually happens in story, like spoilers and stuff. Um, Gender and some and a commentary in gender is absolutely in there about, um, and I suppose that comes out quite a bit. And as, as you said, one of the central partnerships in this story. So there's a couple of partnerships in this story. One, there's a man and wife, 
and that scene, yeah. that evolution scene throughout it. The other is a partnership between the two detectives, uh, Jimmy Pilgrim and Evie, Evie Smith, um, which goes throughout the story too. And they're very two different relationships, which you could contrast <laughs> if you wanted to. Um, and aye, part, part of that is maybe being conscious of knowing what almost certainly to me, as a person making it rather than as a reader, knowing almost certainly what's going to happen and all that stuff, is making sure that the main characters are as fully formed as possible. And again, the, the person reading it has some kind of understanding of those characters or some kind of attachment to those characters. That's, that's what any story is about when you're making anything. Is You want people to either like a character or dislike a character. You know, yeah. you want people to have an emotional connection to a character, like like a character's repulsive, or do you really like them? So that when things happen, it's, it's manipulative. So that when something yeah. happens in the story, you get an emotional response. That's a really good point, put, man. Yeah, it makes yeah. you. Yeah, the way the page finishes yeah. and the last word, etc., like that, is important in yeah. relation to how you deal with a character in your head. Yeah, really so, interesting. So, yeah. so it's funny you mentioned the last. So any comic page, whether it's and I made the point earlier on about curved. Um, panels. So the curved panels are in there for a specific. Um, they have a specific. Um, I wouldn't like that. That that like so narrative to me. <laughs> such a pretentious dick. <laughs> to me, to me, craft. Um, and this is just to me. To me, craft, narr- narrative, and meaning is a Venn diagram. So it circles overlap. And to me, in that overlap between. Um, craft and narrative probably is where the curved panels come in they serve us they serve they're there to punctuate particular things in the narrative um so they don't really add meaning the curved panels so they're a specific tool that i'm using to get the, the reader in a particular flow and then when the page design changes over hopefully when the reader's reading it will experience some kind of mood change or like, you know, a famous thing you can do is the distance in panel borders, you can adjust to increase time. And that's something I do in this as well. I okay. use a lot of, I use, I use the panel borders. So that's not negative space, which is within a panel. I use panel borders to display the passage of time. And there's some pages later in the book that I'd rather not get into where, where I use that quite, quite explicitly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and the page design, and that really applies. The past of time is past. Um, and in other cases, I completely remove panel borders as well because, again, it's a sense of a lot is happening at once. And then it was thinking about what's another way of distinguishing between panels without having those panel borders and without uh, gutters, whatever you want to call them, um, in in there. So, um, but all that goes back to that. The way that I specifically, I suppose, if I was my theory of comics and, and what I've learned from Kurtzman, Wood, um, Ditko, and Toth, all of that is within that that Venn diagram for me. And I and I do think about that very very explicitly now. Um, yeah. Probably even you know it's you can't just write a comic, you can't just write a script. What does what does it mean? I mean. Um, I- I always and say, I'm lucky because I can write and draw, so I can I can put it in. Yeah, I mean, I, I always say that about about you, man. There's there's nobody I know who studies the craft more than you to improve. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think 
people listening to this will think, oh, yawn, yawn, Alex Toth, you know, this sort of thing. But the thing is, this has action as well. So you yeah. know how the beats work. And the last, the last, just to prove that point, the last page, I'll, I'll open the floor to Alan, the last page I really liked is the snatching of the brain from the body. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> that's a great move, man. Why has Kitty Pride not been doing that for years? You know. So that's actually that's actually taken from um, uh, the nail <laughs> with the flash does that with the maze with that. Oh, I didn't know. That's that. not me. But, <laughs> okay. but 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 the line in it, I, I quite. I don't know. I do something like a more nasty. I quite like the line. You know the pithy James Bond remark to the side. Yeah. <laughs> the brain. Uh, uh, the, sort of when I read back through, I'd forgotten about. Also, I love the line King Kong's finger. But that's you. I'm not King Kong's finger. So those, yeah. those two people, so there's two, and they're called, like, I can't remember their, their name in the story. I think Steve is. So Steve and Larry are actually based on two friends of mine from my work. And one of them grew a ponytail over lockdown. And when they they hang about all the time, and they really are an odd couple at work, and it just made me. And one of them, one of them is into comics, right? Uh, or what he was big two thousand AD fan, and he's got the first three hundred issues to spawn, and then he stopped collecting comics, and he's got a big vinyl collection that made me laugh. But just honestly, I I just looking at them, I was like, fuck me, you two would make a brilliant pair of detectives. I would watch that TV show all day <laughs> long, and your constant bickering, and so they're they're in it. Too, and and they were other characters that that, that grew, um, and I right, so you you said a thing about having doing a dump that was like King Kong's finger, and that made me laugh when you told me that. I said I'm put, I'm putting that straight in the comic. <laughs> similarly, similarly with there's a character based on Al. Yeah, one, there's also uh, I'm going to say a character based on Falpy as well, who's wearing the tribute t- t-shirt. No, no, that's that's that mm-hmm. would be accidental. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. The tribute thing. So there's a couple. There's a there's a couple of things in there. Um, Easter eggs for there's an atomic Hercules right there on a billboard. Oh, I missed that. I'll have to go back. Um, yeah, yeah. And there's um, a tribute. Just the 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 character wearing <laughs> it reminded me of Adam. It's a chimpanzee. I know. <laughs> he's like <laughs> he's got that fucking attitude where he just fucks around <laughs> yeah. all the time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he's so so that so the guy Bingo. Is based on like my oldest friend I've known since I was four. Right. Um, vi- visually, it's based on him, not when he's a chimpanzee. No, I understand. Um, so, but the, so the origin story for him, Bingo the magical chimpanzee, was a character, a kind of throwaway character in United Welcome to the Shit Show, and that was and basically the storyline for that was. Um, this guy is in a relationship. His girlfriend gets fed up with him, dumps him. He goes to <laughs> the magical clothes shop in Mister Ben. Yeah, good. But the guy with the fez, the shop owner, is based on one of my old bosses. But I put him in the, the dressed him like designed him like the uh, costume shop owner, um, just to amuse myself. Yeah. Um, and he gets a magical chimpanzee outfit he puts on, turns into it, and then it goes nowhere in the story. <laughs> I mean, it's absolutely there's no bearing in the story, except then he becomes a Deus Ex Machina and Welcome to the Shit Show at the end. He just appears out of nowhere and rescues a character, and it's just it's just ridiculous. And I didn't realise when I was doing it at the time, I I'd read some Daniel Klaus, but I didn't realise, like I hadn't read 8-Ball at that point, that there's a lot of stuff in Daniel Klaus stuff, like about just 
these whimsical asides that just don't mean anything at all, but then do come back in somehow okay, clever. Um, later on. Yeah, so, yeah. No, it wasn't clever. It was entirely like, oh, God, what am I going to do here? What happened? And it was entirely like drawn in there. <laughs> what happened to that chimpanzee guy? <laughs> and sim, sim, um, there's something that's, that might seem to be like that in this comic where a character disappears and is introduced, doesn't really happen. But then does come back into that okay. was that was entirely mm. purposeful. What, what about you, Al? Have you got any pages or moments so you'd like to talk the, about? The one the one page I'll call it just to keep conscious of time stuff. Okay, is is and it's quite difficult to talk about without being spoilerish. But it's the bravery of page one hundred and twelve, and the reason it's brave is because of page one hundred and eleven. Because I don't think I would have been as brave to have both pages. I would have chickened out and put something uh, okay. yeah. from 113 on 112. Yeah, I have yeah. no idea what you're talking about. Hold on a minute. I need to get... <laughs> I need, I need. You'll know as soon as he says it. You'll yeah. know as soon as he says it. I think but... possibly part of that, Al, is maybe the digital reading experience, do you think? Yes. Yeah. Possibly. And, and it's it, it was more the... I got the you know the flow through. It's it's a it's a lovely flow through sequence of it's hard to talk pages about without spoiling but, uh, yeah, it. Yeah, it's really maybe. difficult to talk about any spoilers. Yeah. But let, let's just say that the the pacing that you put across the pages from uh, one hundred and eight through to the start of the next section, yeah, mm-hmm. is absolutely brilliant. Oh right, okay, right, okay. I know what you're. I and know, I know what you're talking it, about. Right, right. It's it's yes. the bravery that that takes, is was was something that I thought was was really yeah, good stuff. Which, yeah, yeah. it's just it's just hard, yeah. It's, that's that whole thing about me trying to understand. Your it's your point about you being cartoonist rather than being a writer or an artist. Yeah, and saying so that, that you know the two of those things need to come together. Um. So, but no, that look overall. I have to say, you know, I think I because I actually think the writing is a big step up okay. in this book compared to Shit Show. I really do, right? Yeah. Well, I um, wrote it this time. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's why I just made it up as I went along yeah. last time. I was just making um, a comic for the fun of it. There was no, there was no end thing. Um, and you can, you know, you can see the craft on the page here, the thought processes that you've gone through to make the decision, you know, the conscious choices to deliberately, you know, to build it through. So now it's. You know, and everything from you, 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 I will say there's no technique you don't try, <laughs> which is possibly one of the interesting challenges of it. Say, you know, what, what, what have you saved back technique wise for the next book? Um, um, or, you know, or whether, whether you'll actually do the next thing as a one big, huge sheet of paper that unfolds into itself or something <laughs> like that would, uh, well, that, would be the next piece. Let's mention the fact that you aren't the only person involved in this book. I think that's probably mm-hmm. worth mentioning because you, mm-hmm. you, um, so what this is what happened, right? I, I, throughout lockdown, um, I, I've been chatting to you on the phone and you've been going, I'm up to page 110 now. And I keep saying, I thought it was going to be a 35 page comic, Johnny. And, um, and then eventually you said to me, All right, I finished it. And I said, Oh, brilliant. Like, fucking great news. And you were saying, you were counting down the pages to me, weren't you? And then you went, I think I'm going to do an extra story. <laughs> so you did an extra story, but you also got a guest artist in as well, which is um, so he something. so so Stephen Ingram. Yeah. Uh, so there's a, there's there's a couple of people involved in this, um, and everyone is fully for anyone out there saying, "Oh, he's taking credit." 
everyone is created this book <laughs> down, to who, down to who fucking printed it. Um, yeah. You know, and, and rightly so, because, um, you know, e- even if you're writing, drawing it, lettering it, as I do yourself, and editing it, editing it and um, I did the graphic design on it too, um, a friend, Helen, um, Rio, who did one of the pinups in the first one, we used to work together, she's a graphic designer, um, formatted it um, in part a bit. So that's not just a case of dropping it into whether it's in design or Quark or whatever it is, you know, to get it print ready. In this case, it was resizing stuff because it was done for one size. And then because of uh, just mainly shipping, but also from, you know, when you're working in something, you'll, you'll pick up a book and you'll be like, oh, I really like the design of this. I really like the size of this. Um, but mainly, mainly in this case, it was shipping. The last book I did was too big. It cost too much to ship. Um, I was very, very lucky with, with Welcome to the Shit Show and that, that it did very, very well. I pretty much, I think I, I can't, I, I don't, sorry, I'll have to do stock takes, but I think I've only maybe got about 20 copies of a 250 print run left, which That's is good, not mate. bad because yeah. that, pretty that good, mate. crap at promotions and stuff. That's great. It's, it's, it's done especially the size of the book man yeah it's good yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it's one in that 1.7 kilos the first book whereas this one will be about 680 um, right. and so that impacts upon shipping and that is because again i've been very lucky that um my last book you know i can't remember how it breaks down like the kickstarter but quite a lot of people were from the united states bought it and in this one um i would like to grow the readership of it um, and that's why you know the book is slightly smaller in dimensions. It's as cheap as it can possibly be. Um, you know, does does that it's leaner because there's things not not. I really like the things about it last time because it was meant to feel like a British annual. So that's why there's pinups. That's why there's text features. Everything in this comic, everything in it has a story purpose. Absolutely everything in it. Um, so the backup story is um, drawn by Stephen Ingram. So when did you um, when did you put that to him? I'm, in my head, I'm guessing I, it was when we were in Nottingham. No, was it? Or was it before that? Uh, no, it was it was. Was it was it Nottingham? No, I, I can't remember if he'd done it before that. So it was about halfway through, when I was about halfway through. Right. Um. So, so, and again, so it's quite funny because <laughs> so I I did that full script for him, um, and there's something that happens in it, and, he, and he's kind of like, I, I don't. I don't understand this. <laughs> so I explained for like, this is what's going to happen in the main story, and this is going to come after. Okay. So this, this, this explains certain things. It ties in, and he's like, "So why, why is he want me to do this bit?" And I was, again, I was like, "Well, that explains why this things happened. Don't worry, it's set. Up. Don't worry about it. It's set up." Um, <laughs> and he was like, "Right, okay." And then it was quite funny. So I don't know if you. So it's fine to talk about this, but that first panel, um, the description of it was. Um, um, so it mentioned the number of panels in the page. That's where I can do my script. But it says that for first tier. So I break down um, a page, not into like, you know, like people sometimes break it down into panels. I break it down into tiers. Like it's a three-tier page. It's a nine-panel grid. Um, and that's about the pace and stuff and about the page design because the page design is quite a big part of the way that I do comics. It's not for everyone, but it is for the way I do it. Yeah. Like for Gene Collan, it wasn't because he just fucking drew, and then he would have a tiny wee panel then because he just ran out of space in the page. <laughs> yeah. Because um, he was just loved drawing and stuff, and he was great at it. Big scenes. Kirby did it sometimes too. 
that first panel is specifically the opening credits to Coronation Street. Okay, uh, yeah, I can see that. That's, yeah. that's, that's why it uses that. That's why it uses that font. And again, that gets back to the point of, as I was saying earlier on about reference and stuff, it's a tour in Britain. This is very specifically a British comic strip. This is very specific in some cases a Scottish comic strip. In some cases, it's very specifically an English comic strip and about juxtaposing those Scottish. So I don't know if you've picked up. <laughs> and again, this is when you, if you read it again, you will notice there is a difference between the scene set in England and the scene set in Scotland. Okay. Um, and another, the way, another, the way, the way that yeah. Another Vonnegut book as well. Yes. So we get a quote uh, at I, the start and a book at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's aye, aye. Um, Kurt Vonnegut's one of one of my favorite F- favorite favorite Vonnegut book. Yeah. Slaughterhouse Five. Okay. But that's partly because when it, that's partly because when I read so when I read Slaughterhouse Five, I was eighteen years old, um, and it was a time. Actually, no, I did feel at the time it was a very vulnerable time in my life. I was eighteen, I'd failed all my exams in fifth year at school, so we call them hires. So it would have been your um, A levels, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'd failed all them. All my friends were going to university um, or jail. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm laughing, but was, that's true. So we're going to university, and so I had that fear of that wasn't going to happen for me. Um, and then I was doing an English reset, I had to go into the library, I had to pick a book, had left it late, picked up the thinnest book I could see in the shelves. And I had drawings in it as well, so I thought, great. Yeah. Genuinely thought Slaughterhouse-Five was um, a book adaptation of a horror film series, and there had been a Slaughterhouse-1, 2, 3, 4. I genuinely <laughs> thought that. <laughs> um, read it and was just like... And this was um, when I was 18, <laughs> which was before I'd like done Acid for the first time, which was when I was 18. It was a summer when I was 18. I just pretty much did Acid all the time. <laughs> you probably figured out from reading this comic. Yeah. He's done that at some point. Just from knowing but, you, Johnny. But, yeah. yeah, but, yeah. but from Slaughterhouse Five, um, that really was just like, and again, like symbolism and and you know a story and stuff. And it, I mean, that's like David Lynch. Are just like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Is this actually happening? Is this how much of this is real? It doesn't matter. I'm going to say my favourite. Yeah, okay. I'm going to say my favourite's Breakfast Breakfast of Champions. I just really like it. <laughs> I, I, I know why that is. Yeah, because I like <laughs> I like the drawing of the arsehole early on. You know, yeah, the uh, yeah. and but I have to say, Time Quake I read, which was a book he did, I think four or five years before he died, is an is an amazing book. I really like it. And in that, he I talks really about like, his craft. Yeah. You know, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Mother Night as well, which is which yeah. is quoted in this. Yeah. Um, and um, Dead Eye Dick's great as well. Right, um, I've read that one. Okay. Right, so there's a, there's a few literary references in this. There's some yeah, um, some pretty obvious Dante, um, and there's some George Bernard Shaw, okay. and also there's an Easter egg for if you look at Jimmy Pilgrim's flat, look at it closely, um, because it's 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 a, it's nice. So it's an angel. Um, it's he's coming out of. So I didn't. Oh God, who's it? Virginia Woolf and George Bernard Shaw lived at different times in the same house. Okay, or the same building. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so I didn't draw the plaque on it, but did, and that's partly because I know someone that used to live in the same street. Interesting. So, and, and just associated it with a particular memory, and there was a particular... I like... I wanted to make sure, again, from a story point of view, this is a guy who's very well-read, can just roll off 
you know, uh, there's no deeper love than the love of food coming. There's, there's, you know, it can just reel off literary things, and then that ties back into the meaning of the title of this chapter is named after a particular quote from a book, which then, if you found that out, would give you a deeper understanding of the story. Similarly, there are real things in this story that if you were knowing that sometimes people, when they either watch a film, they'll look up IMDb to see who a character is played by, or if they're reading a comic or a book, they'll look up Wikipedia. Oh, where, where, what's this place like? You can do this and this, and you will solve the mystery. Because uh, okay. there's clues in there. Um, so, um, you know, so you could, you could, so it is designed in a way that you can solve, you can actually not necessarily solve who's done something, but, you know, where it, where the killer is. So how to find the killer, I suppose, is the best way of putting it. Yeah, so, I'll get you, man. Which is, but, but equally, that this story, you know, a murder's not just about um, who did it. It's where it happened, why it happened. How clever how you it, are in concealing it, it a lot of the time, I think. Yep, yeah. yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and this, again, a lot of this, again, purposely was about juxtaposing things, contrasting things that, you know, more than one person, spoiler, more than one person dies in this. And the way that people dies is very, very purposely juxtaposed. That, that you know, things happen for different reasons and with very different motivations. Yeah. One of the big and, bits about who that as well has to be at the end, it does make sense. Yeah. So that, you know, you can kind of go, yeah, all right, I did seal the bits of the jigsaw as I was going through. I just, I didn't put them together myself. But it's not that rabbit out of a hat type um, solution that you need. So that's good. The thing I would, the thing I would say is, I would read it again, on <laughs> because because it's very specifically designed for you to feel like that. And then if you do pick up and read it again one day, much like watching Twin Peaks in the Tun, you may change your well, mind. Having read it digitally, I'm I now look forward to um, reading it physically and yeah. seeing the. The difference that 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 will have, yeah, yeah. So, so do do you have the details of um of the Kickstarter? Yeah. Um. So the Kickstarter um is live. Is this is well done? Yeah, <laughs> we discussed yeah. this. It's going all right. Back, back, thanks for that. Yeah. <laughs> hope, hope, don't please don't jinx it. So it's either going pretty well or it's that's... it's going really well at the moment. It's hard to tell beforehand. Like the first, the first one, I was like, "Oh man, it's an absolute disaster." It's, it's had a good start. You've got at least two backers, so they're yeah. Well, 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 just... I'd like to say, listeners, we're we're fannying around here because we're recording before it launches. <laughs> yeah. So that's why we're doing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had a pre-launch page, and there's this. I mean, I'm happy to see how many folk at the time of recording have signed up. Um, it's the 41 folk have signed it's up. It's good stuff, man. That's good starting yeah. it. Oh, yeah. it's, it's absolutely not enough. Um, but but again, you know, there's that curve when you're doing a Kickstarter, and there's some people who are <sighs> bigger fishes in a small pond than I am. I'm a, I'm acutely aware of, of of where I am. Don't be um, silly, man. Don't be silly. No, 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 no. But I've, I've, I've no, yeah. and I quite, I, I quite like that. So it, it, it's, it's, it's you're doing your own thing, same as we all are, mate. Exactly. That's how it I'm, be. I'm, I'm yeah. doing my own thing, and I'm doing my own thing. For myself, and it's it's always to be. These my someone knows you never ask me this because you you get asked the same question is why why do you do this? It's because because it's and, and the answer has changed for me. It's, it used to be I don't really know, um, I don't really know. I like doing this, but sometimes I find it frustrating. The answer is completely different now. 
reason why I make comics is because I'm a cartoonist. That's why oh, I make comics. Nice. Boom. And that's 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 just it. Um, and that's so that's why I've made this. My job is done. If this if this Kickstarter is a resounding flop, well, so what? I've done my job. That's it. Yeah. You know, and it's and it's like those you see those actors. Um, Brian Cranston said it to Michael Keaton when I've been doing a jobby watching a reel on Instagram. Is <laughs> Michael Keaton talking? What's he saying? And Brian Cranston, is that thing is, you don't do an audition to get a job. Your job is to, is to do the audition. You've done your job when you go to the audition. That's it. You're an actor. You're in there acting. That's it. You've done your job. And that's 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 me. My 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 job is is not to. It's a bit different because I'm self-publishing, obviously. I don't think of myself as a self-publisher. I think of myself as a cartoonist. I've done my job. If, if you know, oh, I'm the, very, very, the, I'm the, very, very happy with The worth of what you do is not magnified or diminished by how many people buy no. it in any way. No. Yeah. I mean, it would be nice not to have... A garage <laughs> full of books. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a wife would kill me. Yeah, and equally, equally, I don't want to take a financial path in this. Yeah, because you know it's it's my savings that that pay for that print run, and then I, so I I don't I don't, oh God, people will probably feel quite guilty. I'm not going to buy this. But I don't wait for the Kickstarter, um, to get the print on. Yeah, we don't. I either, save up actually. for it. I yeah. save up no, for it for years. So this this is this is I've worked in this comic for three years, and I've saved up for three years to be able to print this. And that's because, and again... But saying that, listeners, oh, bullshit, go and back it. Go yeah, and no, back please, it. Please, please, please <laughs> do buy this. Yeah, go and back it, because mind, it is genuinely I, yeah. one of the, my favourite uh, books this year. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it's it's yeah. not just the book that's available. You're saying there's original art tiers as well. And, so you, and the first book, some... I'm guessing. So, the, so it's a bit different, this one, than the last one. Um, and this one... Um, oh, God, I can't remember the price off the top of my head. But this is very reasonably priced. There, there is um, so one thing I did in the first Kickstarter that I think worked quite well was because the shipping costs were so high. And actually, at that point for that size of book, I thought were embarrassingly high right. because the shipping costs were actually more expensive than the book. And that's absolutely not the case in this this one. I can't remember what shipping is off the top of my head. Um, but it's but it's not the price of the book. But to incentivize people from particular America to get the book. I did um, an E4 drawing in that, and then I had a number of commissions. Now, I was surprised by the popularity of the Kickstarter last time round, and so I think it worked out in the space of a month, as well as sorting out, you know, getting it printed, um, working with Gav, who did the graphic design, the last one. Um, well, I, I drew the cover and stuff like that. He did, he did the graphic design, the kind of book design elements of it, like the back cover and all that kind of stuff with with my images. Sorting out that, sorting out the print, and you know all the stuff about packaging. You know the stress of doing a Kickstarter. On top yeah. of that, I think I had to do about thirty A4 um, mix of commissions and drawings in a month, <laughs> which is quite a lot. Um, I don't quite know how I did it. Um, in this one, I've learnt my lesson where I've got. 60 a5 i wouldn't call them sketches because to me sketches imply something that's sketchy uh, they are you know they're illustrations they're drawings some of color some of black and white and that fits you know what the image is so some look like comic panels some look like comic covers some are more graphic designy so that's a reward tier but that's also there for international orders if you order this a physical copy 
you will get an A5 drawn from me, um, or you can buy one. So if you buy, like if you get the reward tier for an A5 drawn in the, the book, you get and you're in the United States or Poland or Australia or whatever, you will get two drawings. Nice one, man. Um, so, and equally, because it's small press, I have a good idea. <laughs> um, because we're talking small numbers of folk. If you are a return reader for me, I will usually know what characters you like. So I have drawn certain characters. Um, so, And again, if you interact with me in social media and you said, oh, why don't you draw this? Why don't you draw that? I'll draw it, so you have the opportunity to say. So you got a squirrel girl ready for me, yeah? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah I've actually not done um, well. I mean, there's characters that I know you like and stuff. So, but there's characters I love drawing. Like there's like three um, illustrations of Nexus. There's yeah, um, I've drawn all four Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They're just really fun to draw. Like yeah. ridiculously fun to draw. There's a hotshot Hamish who's who might actually be having drawn it. Is maybe my one of, definitely one of my favorite. In fact, yeah, man, that's a good see, that is. Yeah, I would earlier. fucking love to draw that comic strip. I would absolutely love that. Would that would be amazing? I that's, preferred that's reading Hotshot than I did Roy. I've got to tell you. Yeah. Oh, I'm so much better. I, I wasn't the biggest fan of Mighty Mouse though. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, yeah. Because um, I just I, I like Johnny Cougar, mate. My favorite. He was about the best one. He, he was, was the wrestler. I liked, um, yeah, and there was um, uh, oh, fuck, he was a boxer. John Wagner did it. Oh, um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, oh, the Don and uh, Eamon yeah, and Shannon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The inning was, oh, God, I. But my, my absolute favourite was Charlie's War. That's just ridiculous. Yeah. Right. So, just, uh, as the capitalist on the, uh, on the call, <laughs> to, to, to the business list, so you say you're going to be doing commissions as a, as oh, a yeah. tier again so, this time around? And um, how many so slots yeah. are there so that people know to, so to does, rush does... to make sure they get one of those slots? So I don't, sorry, Al. <laughs> so I don't kill my, my manager, Al. So I don't kill myself <laughs> in this. There are there are there are ten slots for E four commissions. Um, so get get you won't be able to get in early. Get in early. Get one yeah. of those ten slots. And so. probably probably the thing I mentioned is like I don't really part partly because I've not actually been asked to in a while, but I don't regularly advertise. Like, oh, I'm doing commissions, blah, blah blah. I don't because I focus on making comics because I'm a cartoonist. I'm not a commercial yeah. illustrator. So that's what I try. And saying that, I have actually done. A couple of album covers. Um, you have. It's a good album, this year. Yeah. In fact, in fact, I so so that's one thing maybe to mention is um, so one of the so one of the things I've done a couple of things in the making this book. One was to do um, Hidden Lives with Tony, so I drew Thank that you, making this. I've also got um, there's a book that I've got a couple of pages and coming out very very soon from Chroma Publishing, um, which oh. is called Vigilantia, which is a book about Mogwai songs and various oh, yeah. different artists and writers have interpreted their songs, what it means to them. And Alistair Black um, wrote a two-page um, kind of comic feature in, in I drew it. Um, so that's in that book as well. Nice. Um, I don't get any money from that. <laughs> so please do back my Kickstarter instead if you're not getting much money. And seeing that the proceeds from that do go to charity, so I feel quite bad seeing that. <laughs> but again, you know... That charity's probably got better storage than me. I guess it's so, so big. Um, so I'm just joking, obviously. Right. Come on. We're, um, and, we're, we're at least 40 minutes over with what we're going to do. <laughs> sorry. And the, so the last thing is there's, there's original art from the last book available. Oh, cool. Which I own a page of. It's I, lovely. Yeah, really good. Well, the reason, the reason why it's the last book is so because I can show the pages and there's no spoilers. I get you. Good, good idea, man. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. Cool. So you got your Kickstarter. Go look up the United going underground on Kickstarter. What's your shop and what's your socials, dude? Um, my shop is canonhillcomics.bigcartel.com. Um, I'm on Threads, which is pish. I mean, it's awful. Um, <laughs> also, it's really it doesn't even upload pictures half the time. Um, I'm on Instagram under canonhill underscore comics, and I'm on um, Twitter. For, for now, or, or whatever it's X. I think it's you called. mean X. It's, yeah, it was, it's, it's not. It's not even a good logo. It looks like a 1980s strip club logo. It's That's awful. why I like it. It's, it's, just, it's just so shit. It's, it's honestly like a massive, like a forty billion dollar practical joke on himself. Well, let's not go down that route. Yeah, we'll be all night. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. someone that is Canon Hill comic. Good stuff, man. Um, so go if you look up go Johnny now. Cannon, you'll, you'll find me. Yeah, no. go and back it now. Uh, go over there. I've backed it. It's great. I've read it. It's also great. Um, what about you, uh, Al? Where can we find you online? I just hunt for Penguin on most of the old forms of social media. Good stuff. Great. So, um, also listen out to a recent episode that's me and Al talking about Superman. We haven't recorded it yet, but hopefully we will on Monday. And uh, <laughs> and uh, have, a, have a listen to everything else. But uh, thanks, guys. Uh, very, very interesting, JC. Like that, mate. No, thank, thank, yeah. thank, thank you. I, I, it's always a, I'm talking about my favourite subject myself. <laughs> you didn't. That's the thing. I knew you'd do that. You always pull it around and talk about someone else. But I think we got enough out of you there, or we got some good stuff out of you, rather. But uh, yeah, and then hopefully you'll you'll get a signing done at some point. I'm intending to come up and see you. Um, um so I so I'm in a. I can't really say too much about that just now, just because not everyone's fully agreed. But there will likely be yeah. a launch event in Glasgow um, with one of the local comic shops, um, and a couple of folk have I've either asked them or they've asked me. Good stuff. <laughs> and I'm going to go with one of them because obviously you can only do one launch. Yeah. Um, so I might I might do, do one or two launches. events. Yeah, again, there's my manager talking there. Um, it depends, <laughs> and that depends how well the Kickstarter does because again. So there's, there's, the other thing I should say as well has been a limited number of slots. There's a limited number of copies available through the uh, Kickstarter too. Um, so that's that's something else. And, and it is marked in this comic that it is the first printing. So I'm not oh, into okay. the collectible side of things, but there is a collectible nature to this too. Interesting. Good stuff. Nice one, guys. Thanks for that. Thanks, Al. And thanks, Johnny. Um, I'll see you both soon. Mm-hmm.